Welcome, everybody. I am your host, Ryan Ogeron, and you're listening to The Lifted Podcast, the show for anyone who wants to embrace their best health to become their best self. Lifted is founded on the idea that to be our best self, we have to be at our best health. So that means we're going to be doing a lot of talking about our physical and spiritual health, especially when it comes to exercise and nutrition. All of the things that help us become our best because our best is what we need to share with the world. Our guest for episode three of the Lifted podcast will be Jacob Robichaud. Jacob is a pro bodybuilder who recently earned his IFBB pro card. At the young age of 22 and only after two competitions, he earned this incredible title. I met Jacob about three years ago and when he first walked into Lifted Gym, I knew then, when he was only 19, that he was going to be a bodybuilding prodigy if he pursued the sport. You can tell at first sight, he had the genetics to build an incredible physique, and you could see he had the discipline to get there. Today, Jacob and I will discuss what he learned in his journey to becoming pro, and a few other bodybuilding tips when it comes to building muscle and diet and nutrition and those kind of things. Buckle up, lift it. First off, I want to say thank you for having me on here. And, Absolutely. Uh, my name is Jacob Robichaud. I'm an IFBB pro bodybuilder. Um, pretty much been training at Lifted Nutrition since, I guess, you started, honestly. I mean, uh, well, I helped you. About to say, I helped you assemble a couple pieces of equipment and um, pretty much went uphill from there. So, but um, it's a pleasure to be on here. And I really do appreciate you having me and giving me the time to answer some questions you have for me and just help people understand what bodybuilding is and if you're interested, but. Awesome. Awesome. So let's start off with your, where you started, right? So I seen some pictures of you and you shared them with me, um, of you before you really started training, you were kind of chubby, a little on the fatter end. Yeah. I played a uh, offensive line in high school. So, uh, you have to be still, still, masculine but as well as uh you got to have that that body weight to be able to get off the line and protect the quarterback and such things like that but um yeah I was uh I would say overweight when I first started and so what what led what led you to go from where you were as a lineman to wanting to like build muscle and the strength like you started doing um I guess kind of just one summer I just kind of found uh it was actually the workout company in Raceland mm -hmm. where I started uh, my fitness journey. And it was more or less just starting to understand working out. And I would look at some guys in the gym and be like, man, that, that dude's pretty big and ripped. Or some people would uh, just look good and everything. And I'm like, well, I want to look good. So started losing some weight. And then um, summer practice of football started. And the coach, I guess, kind of noticed I was losing some weight. And uh, he told me it was either between – bodybuilding or football and he said it was gonna give me till the afternoon to think of it we came around for afternoon practice and i packed up everything out my um my locker and went to the workout company and that's where it all began so wow yep so it was then you knew that you were going to pursue bodybuilding it was a quick transition it was it was a very quick transition but i wouldn't know i wouldn't say if it was um straight into bodybuilding it was more or less just i wanted to look good gotcha and instead of being overweight gotcha so because my body naturally likes to hold on to more body fat but i had to work towards it and then i wasn't about to put back on the weight that i had lost over the summer just for football so gotcha i kind of told them i was like i was like it's uh it's something that i always wanted to do and i'm very passionate about it so um 
it interests me more than football did. I can guess you can say that. So I had a similar journey. I, I basically quit football for the same thing. I was like, I'm gonna start bodybuilding at 18. Yeah, and not a lot of high school um, athletic coaches or head coaches for football know the proper technique and form, and um, a lot of injuries that came with me playing football was basically because of my training True. in high school. And there are some out there that actually um, take the time and study and actually understand and teach proper form. And I truly believe that should be a base for oncoming freshmen that want to play football is that the training should be perfected before any type of maxing out or anything like that. So, cause I, I watched a lot of friends get injured trying to max out on PE workouts. So that was never something that interests me. I was more of, of the, let's see how many reps I can do and save the joints for yeah. the field. And then um, I tore my meniscus in, I think it was 10th grade. And um, that, that put me out for half the season. And just from there, I noticed if I want to, if I want to pursue anything into the gym, then I have to be more conscious of what I do for sports. So that was basically why I made the decision to just do bodybuilding because I can teach myself the correct form technique what worked best for me training wise and uh, that's what made me pretty confident in just making that switch dang yeah because most people's journeys start off with well I just want to get in shape and then at some point they're like oh man I think I want to bodybuild so for you when was that that point where bodybuilding became a goal um I guess I can say one one of the main um, factors was Woody Dupree, one of your members here at Lift It. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Woody. Yep. Yeah, we uh, his wife used to teach a class at a workout company, and every now and then I would see him coming to the gym, and I mean he would have to walk through the door sideways. He was so big, so <laughs> yeah. and that just mind blown me. And um, ever since from there, I kind of started talking to him, and he told me he was like, "You got good genetics to go far," because at that time I had lost. All pretty much all of my weight that I, I did, which I think was about eighty five pounds, I went from um two believe two sixty to about one eighty or somewhere around there. It might have been one ninety, but um anyway, I seen him and he was telling me uh, about my genetics and he thinks I should do I should start bodybuilding and I never thought about the competitive side of it. I just thought of it as going to the gym and building muscle. And that's that's what bodybuilding meant to me when I was younger. I, ne I never knew they had a whole competition side of it. It was more or less just going into the gym and being a big guy who's always lean 24-7 and lifting a bunch of weight. And um, But that's kind of what sparked my interest in bodybuilding itself was him telling me about that. And then I started um, doing a little bit of research on um, Instagram with like Phil Heath when he was winning Mr. Olympias and I didn't know what a Mr. Olympia was at the time. I didn't even know how how big it was or the prize money that you could win. And um, so whenever I would look at those guys, that's what kind of – I was like, oh, there's competitions that you can do. And uh, I never really thought I wanted to do that because, I mean, obviously the posing trunks, everybody makes fun of yeah, yeah. bodybuilders. And, you wear and, a thong. Uh, <laughs> exactly. And at that time, they didn't have classic physique. And it was just either men's physique or – open bodybuilding and obviously I wanted to be big like the open bodybuilders but I didn't want to go pose with a man thong on stage in front of many people all glazed up and everything flexing with a bunch of other guys it just wasn't my interest but at the same time it was my interest and then um, classic physique came out and then that's when I was like that this is interesting because I mean 
I'm not going to lie. I don't know if people will admit it, but I will, that after every workout, I'd go home and right before I shower, I'd start flexing in the mirror and everything. I'd always look at myself and I'm like, oh, if I can wear boxes in front of the mirror and flex, then I can wear it in front of other people, like the little, the little, uh, classic trunks. Get a classic trunks, huh? So that was something that really interests me because classic physique has almost the build of an open bodybuilder, except it's more of a, about aesthetic look, shape, structure, instead of just being the biggest and you can possibly be. Yeah. And um, that's what interests me um, to really get into the competitive side of the sport was classic physique. And I'm, and I'm glad the sport took that turn. You know, Absolutely. They're starting to yeah. bring in more of the, the Frank Zane looks and yep. things like that again, that classic look. Exactly. Which is, classic's a perfect name for it. Exactly. I'm going to go ahead and echo what Mr. Woody said, and I said it in the intro. So I met you about three years ago. You were 19 at the time, right? Yes. And you and Marcella had walked in before we were even open. We were putting together equipment and stuff. Yep. And I knew then when I saw you, I was like, that dude's only 19. He's got potential. And you, I don't even know if you were thinking about competing then at the time. I, I was because um, – and I never really had the urge to compete until my wife kind of pushed me to it. She was like, well, because really? I would always start kind of prepping for a show and then would be like, oh, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. So I started prepping, and she was like, look, if you if you want to do this, you're doing it. Like, you're not just half-assing it, I guess you can say. And um, But so whenever I started prep, then that's whenever COVID hit. I remember. And that's whenever all the shows got pushed back and canceled. And uh, the show that I was going to do was towards the end of the year, and which was uh, Southern Muscle, which is normally in November, I believe. And um, – that's the show that I was going to do, but nobody knew if they were going to have it or if it was going to get rescheduled or pushed back. So I'm like, oh, I'm just take the year off, continue to grow. And um, then I started, we went to a wedding where Marcella's friend got married. And um, I met a guy, he's an IFBB pro, uh, Rick Canamar. I don't know if you know him, mm-hmm. but I've met him. He lives uh, out in the New Orleans area, and he introduced me to Cash. He was telling me we were all drinking and having fun on the dance floor, and he was like, man, you got so much potential. You got so much potential. And um, he's like, let me put you working with my guy if you don't have a coach. And I'm like, who's your, who's your guy? And he goes, Cash Gidger. And I'm like, oh, that's the dude who just uh, his competitor, um, his athlete, Carlos Thomas, just won overalls at Nationals. And uh, he's like, yeah, yeah. So – and I was like, okay, well, look, here's my number. Take it. And I wasn't thinking nothing of it. I thought he was just going to forget about it because he was drunk or wake up in the morning and be like, who's this number for? <laughs> Delete. So I was laying in bed the next morning, and I get a phone call. And it's probably maybe 1130 on a weekend. It was like a Sunday. And um, I get a phone call from Houston, and I'm like, who's this? So I answer it, or I let it decline, and um, or I don't answer it. And then I look at it, and I get a text, hey, this is Cash, call me back. So I'm like, whoa, whoa. So I call him back, and I start talking to him, and um, that's whenever me and him kind of linked together. And we've been working together for, I think, January. Well, actually, this, yeah, December. December made a year last year. So Dang, time flies. Yes, it definitely does. And um, just the improvements that we made in one year, I mean, two-show pro, it's crazy to think about. I never never thought that I would have um, – made it to where I am today. And um, it, but if it wasn't for lifted nutrition, um, cash, people that I had along the way to help push me when times I thought that I wouldn't, wouldn't be able to push myself anymore. And 
I'm very thankful for all of the opportunities that were given to me because of this place. Isn't that crazy, though, man? Like, so football didn't work out for you. You knew that you had to get away from that. You know, you started getting in shape. You started building muscle. People like Woody started telling you, man, you got potential. I told you a few times, and I made sure to tell you every time I told you that, look, I'm not blowing smoke. You know yeah. what I mean? Because yeah. a lot of times when you start to build a muscular frame, people start blowing smoke. Oh, absolutely. You know? oh, dude, and, and you're that's so what, massive. That's know? exactly what everybody tells me. They're like, man, I'm not the one to normally blow smoke, but uh, and it's not, man, you got it. And then after everybody telling me that, I still to this day, I look in the mirror and I'm like, I don't see nothing special. And that's what's always pushing me to be better is that I think that that's what separates bodybuilders themselves, not just pros and just anybody who decides to pursue bodybuilding. That's what separates them from just the average gym goer they always looking at themselves and instead of finding the good points of their body they find the weaknesses and decide to bring them up and then eventually when you bring that weakness up then you find another weakness and then next thing you know you're big and round always walking around like you pumped up but um but that's part of the journey man and absolutely so it makes the sport beautiful too is you always looking for growth and we should do that in our life in exactly. every every realm, right? Um, so let's fast forward though. So that was nineteen twenty, and you had mentioned the show. So a prodigy moment for you, definitely. You, you go to state, and you win state classic overall, right? Yes. And then you qualify for nationals, and you earn your pro card in your second show. And it was crazy. We didn't even think about we were about doing nationals until probably about I think it was seven weeks out from nationals, and uh, the two shows were right at. Two and a half, three months apart. It was uh, September 3rd to December 3rd, so exactly three months. Yeah. Yeah, so three months. So yeah. from your first show to your pro card, took you exactly three months, two shows. That's a whirlwind, dude. It definitely, so, especially at 22 years old, <laughs> At man. 22. Yep. So take us, through, I mean, that experience for you, just if you had to summarize it, I mean, what, what was that like? Um. So I, I can just start off by saying all of 2022 was the biggest year i mean getting married in march that's right um winning my first just regional show that I, that was crazy um finding out that i'll be a father and then also winning my pro card in december and then being my wife's birthdays in december and it's just a mind-blowing year but um so i always knew to answer your question i always knew that i wanted to turn pro in as little shows as possible like an amount of shows as possible but if i can look back on it now i would have definitely tried to compete in the teen division before the virus hit and everything just because i look at it now and it's like i can never step on another regional stage with all of my friends who i train with or anything like that mm-hmm. now it's either they got to become a pro or i got to go guest <laughs> pose at the show so i never really had the time to enjoy that and looking back on it now, it really – I don't want to say um, I regret turning pro so soon because, I mean, that's the end goal. Everybody wants it. But at the same time, um, Chuck, Bubby, and Jason all are great promoters for a show. And the experience that I've had at State probably beat the experience I had at Nationals even with winning my pro card just because of um, – uh, you know Michael Perez. He trains mm-hmm. at Valhalla. Me and him, we battled out on stage, and yeah, pose off was the show. Th- man. That, that's what I'm saying. That was you, the show. You can't get that at nationals because everybody's going try to win a pro card, and they don't really have pose offs or anything like that. It's you you're there, and they run it just like a pro show. Mm-hmm. 
you have to hit all the mandatories, do what Steve, big Steve Weinberger says, and then that's it. You go off stage. And because uh, there's so many competitors there, I think just in my class, we had 47 competitors and um, class B, I think, had 76. And I think overall between bodybuilders, classic physique and men's physique, I think there was probably over 600 competitors that they had to get done in one day because men were on the Saturday and women were on the Friday because there was just too many people. And I think the judges had only an hour in between uh, finals and uh, morning show prejudging. So it's crazy. And um, But just the experience you can have at a regional show outweighs a national show so much because you go there and, I mean, yeah, you might know one or two people from the local area that won or another regional show that you didn't do or something like that. But other than that, it's either you – by yourself and your coach and your parents and your family, or you can do a regional show and you see everybody that you see daily in the gym. I mean, you went, your wife went, I'm sure. Um, um, what's his name? Um, My buddy Derek came with me. Yeah. And then um, we had everybody, everybody there, um, Scott, every, yeah. everybody yeah. to support you. And no, nothing, nothing beats that feeling than having people that you see every day watching you do something that you love to do so much and uh because they they know what it means to you but when you go to a national stage nobody besides you is there rooting for you or your family so i would highly recommend that if you're thinking about competing do a regional show now if you can don't wait yeah you might not win but that's there's going to be losses along the way yeah and you learn more from your losses than you do from your wins i agree with that i mean i was 17 when i started which is really young Oh, absolutely. For our first competition. In, uh, well, now um, they changed it to where you have to be 18 to compete. Oh, really? Yep. Okay. So, yep. I, yeah, I did it at 17. And, uh, yeah, I don't regret it at all, man. It was an awesome experience. And just going to watch you do state was an incredible experience. There wasn't a person at state that I guarantee you didn't have an incredible workout Monday morning. Oh, absolutely. Everybody was fired up. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, shout out to Bubby and them with NPC Louisiana because that show was fantastic. That's what I'm saying. They had, they had Brett uh, guest pose and – as long as I can remember, I don't think they've had anybody um, at that big of a caliber guest pose at a show before. And I know this year I'll be guest posing at that show, but they'll have Branch Warren as a special guest. Oh, dang. Yeah. And then they have um, Hunter Labrada doing, a, I believe it's South Central. Mm-hmm. He'll be guest posing at that one. So NPC Louisiana is definitely growing. And um, o- over the last year, it's become twice the size as it's always been these little workshops that we go to um posing clinics everything like that it's it's definitely um getting bigger and bigger at each one we go to a lot of people are interested in competing i think it's just the the um uncertainty of if they want to actually step on stage they love going to the gym they love posing it's just the stepping on stage part that scares a lot of people and i will say when you're on stage and you can probably attest to this as well you don't even see the people in the in the audience mm-hmm. you're just so the lights are shining in your face and you're just so focused on hitting the correct poses and and turning right when they say quarter turn to the right not turning left and um so it, you don't even notice the people in the crowd because you're just so the adrenaline's rushing mm-hmm. and stuff like that so if you're thinking about doing a, a competition i highly suggest that to do it now and get get more, uh, the experience it's all about the experience, and that's what I wish that I would have did more is just to get more experience because now it's like I can 
compete compete for money now against people who's 30 and 35, 28, 27, who's been doing this for years. All the seasoned pros. That's what I'm saying. And they've not only been competing at a pro level, but I'm sure they also did a bunch of regional shows to get that experience before they moved on to the pro leagues. And like I said, uh, I'm truly blessed to be here, but I just wish I had more experience from a, from a um, regional standpoint. Yeah, that's great advice. Great advice. If anyone's wondering when the shows are, we have the posters up at the gym. Message us on Facebook. Message Jacob. Message Bubby Lupo with NPC Louisiana. They'll they'll let you know the dates or to go to the website. Um, so now you're a pro, dude. What's the plans as a pro? What's the next step? So, I know you and Cash got plans. So being that um, the weight cap goes from 212 from a height which I'm 5'11 and three quarters, almost six foot. If I would be six foot, my weight would go to two, uh, I think it would be 230. Give you a little more room. Yeah. <laughs> so my weight cap went from 212 to 222 from um, from local to um, IFBB Pro. And so now we have some serious growing that we have to do if we want to be competitive with these big boys on the stage. So um, being that um, – we're having a baby in July, so the plan is was originally to take the whole year off. Congrats, by the way. Thank you. It's the best role I ever had as father, <laughs> yeah. so I think you'll enjoy it too. Oh, absolutely! And um, now I got to become a pro at that. Yeah, <laughs> but um, beings that we have to grow, so we were going to take the whole year off anyway. And um, but now that I'm going to become a father, it definitely helps that it worked out that way. And we found out a week before nationals, so if. If I didn't win my pro card at Nationals, I didn't know if I was going to compete again for at least another three years. And then I, by that point, I would have to do open because my weight cap would be, I mean, three years of growing. You can put on 10 pounds of solid muscle. And my weight, yeah. I, I weighed in at two, 211. My weight cap is 212. So we, we were there. We were there. And um, But now it's to take to compete in 2024. And I'm looking at the Texas Pro Either that or New York Pro. I'm uh, kind of undecided. I always wanted to go to New York, and that would be the perfect opportunity to sure. go eat some New York style pizza right after the show. So, but um, that that's my two shows that I'm really thinking about doing. Um, just because Texas is right there, we'd still have a one year old. So, I mean, if we have to just go right there, and it's a great show, they're getting better and better every year. Mm-hmm. But then, always wanted to go to New York, so we can head to New York, do a show, enjoy one or two days and then come back home and go back to work. Um, and just to put that out there, just because you're a pro bodybuilder doesn't mean you live the bodybuilding lifestyle 24 seven. You do, but you still have to go out there and, and earn money because right when you turn pro, you don't get sponsors. Like, you get a paycheck like, immediately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't get a paycheck immediately or a salary from supplement companies and stuff like that. Everybody on Instagram makes it look so glamorous, so glamorous being a pro bodybuilder, but um, there's only a couple people that actually bodybuild twenty four seven. That's a top Olympia athletes, and um, so a lot a lot of people look at people with IFBB Pro title in their Instagram bio or Facebook uh, status or something, and they're like, "Man, that that dude's a pro bodybuilder." But in reality, we work just like everybody else. We go to our normal jobs, nine to five, twelve hour shifts, or whatever you do. And it's another and job. It, that's what I'm saying. It's another job. That that's what supports the yourself and the family is working those jobs and then this is almost like a second job because you leave straight from that job you go to this job you work out and then you got to go home and shout out to fit kitchen meals for sponsoring me um if it wouldn't be for them i don't know what i would do man because i mean 
I was uh, with the sheriff's office, and then now I'm with John Deere. And my time is, is a little bit more manageable now that I'm just working straight days. But um, it was definitely a, a huge um, weight off my shoulders to not be able to have to cook. And a lot of that's a lot of people's issue is that, oh, I don't have time to cook. That's why I eat out all the time or I eat junk food is because I don't have time to cook or I don't like the way it tastes. Or, well, if you haven't tried Fit Kitchen Meals or any type of meal prep company out there, I highly suggest that you do because uh, eating healthy does not have to be boring at all. Now, eating for a prep, yeah, you kind of you kind of have to eat bland foods all the time. Um but I highly suggest people go out there and try try a meal prep company if that's your excuse that you can't cook or you don't have time to cook or I mean that's the easiest thing you can do. I mean you go to the grocery store, you spend two hundred dollars a week on junk food, or you go to a meal prep company, spend two hundred dollars a week on healthy foods, and I mean you're doing your body a favor as well because um nutrition is definitely key just for longevity and health. I mean you not only look better, but feel better. And um, Absolutely. your skin will get better and stuff like that. That's what a lot of people don't understand. They just think eating healthy can help you lose weight. They don't understand the actual nutritional benefits of it. Mm-hmm. And um, like I said, eating healthy just for function doesn't have to be boring. Just doing it as a lifestyle. You can still go enjoy the weekends and stuff like that or have a cheat meal or two. But um, they don't understand that you, your body needs a certain you're nourishing your body. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of people don't realize, too, that bodybuilding is a 24-7, 365 sport. Like, you don't get an oh, off-season. No, yeah. Like, yeah, you're taking the next year off, but you're going to be training harder than ever. Absolutely. You're still monitoring your diet and your intake because you're trying to put on muscle, right? So there's never an, an off-season like most sports have. No, absolutely. And because, um, believe it or not, I mean, off-season is almost more important as more important than prep definitely because that's where you need to improve because whenever you're in a calorie deficit it's very 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 hard to to lose fat while gain muscle Mm -hmm. i have people come up to me all the time man you think you can help me uh lose fat while gain muscle like i want to i want to lose 15 pounds but i want to i want to gain muscle it's kind of i don't want to say impossible because anything's possible yeah but at the same time, you have to distinguish if you want to lose the, the fat or, or get bigger. Because obviously, to build muscle, you have to be in a calorie surplus. To lose muscle, you have to be in a deficit, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so the off-season is very, very, very important compared to prep. Because prep, you're going to eat less, do more cardio, train train in the gym, but you're most likely just going to be doing lower weight, higher reps to condition the muscle. Whenever you're in the off season, obviously you're pushing food to the point where you're getting sick almost after every time you eat. And then in two hours, you got to do it again. In two hours, you got to do it again. And um, then you come to the gym at the same time within those two hours in between each meals and you're killing it in the gym. I mean, you're lifting to the, to the point where you're, you're um, what's the word I'm looking for? breaking down the body mm-hmm. so hard that you have to eat that much to be able to build and repair itself. And um, whenever you do that, nutrition is key. Because, I mean, you can't come in here and bust your butt in a workout and then go eat McDonald's and say, oh, it's okay, I, I burned this many calories. 
the calories that you eat is is the ones that matter. Yeah. Because when you tear it down, you're demanding the rebuilding process. Exactly. And when you demand the rebuilding process, you need to nourish that process with enough food and quality food. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, anybody can say, yeah, I'm eating 7,000 calories a day. I'm eating, uh, I'm drinking a, a smoothie for breakfast from Smoothie King, and then I'm going to eat a foot long from Subway. And I mean, the the two places that I just named is my go-to cheat meals, pretty <laughs> much. The Smoothie King and Subway. And people look at that as eating healthy. Like, oh, I ate a Subway sandwich today. I'm so healthy. Yeah. Okay, okay but that's my cheat meal. Or sushi is my cheat meal. People are like, oh, man, I can eat sushi all the time. They don't realize that sushi, yes, is it's a better form of a of a refeed i like to say instead of a cheat meal because um i don't really technically have cheat meals it's more of still what my coach tells me my coach will tell me hey go eat a burger this day go eat sushi this day or go um have a pizza which we never did that but some coaches do believe in like dirty meals yeah and um but everything is structured around my diet there's never a time where i'm just like oh i'm gonna go eat this or I'm going to go eat this unless there's a special occasion then I'll, I'll still text them and be like hey coach I'm I'm going to do this because if I send progress or check in pictures with him and I'm holding a little bit more water then he might pull the food down in reality I had one meal like I mean we're from the south we love crawfish we go yeah. eat a crawfish ball it's hard to get your, your ring off after you eat it because your body's <laughs> so swollen so if, let's just go say we go to a crawfish ball I eat some crawfish and then I send him a picture the next day and I look like a water buffalo and he thinks it's something in the diet so he moves it out my diet and then we regress instead of progress so that's why um, always giving your coach your feedback or anything like that is very important and I highly suggest that if you do work with somebody you tell them everything that you do that way you're also getting your money's worth of it that way you can get as far with the diet as possible instead of go and eat this meal and then you text your coach hey i'm like five pounds heavier uh for your next check-in then he pulls 200 grams of carbs uh, 20 grams of carbs out from meal four and five and then that's 40 grams of carbs you're not eating in a day so you start losing weight and now you're losing it so fast and then your coach is like whoa 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 why why are we losing so much and then you tell them oh well i had a burger that night before weigh-ins and that's what i weighed in the morning oh now that makes sense so uh that's why even some of the clients that I have, I always tell them like, "Hey, tell me whenever you have your cheat meals or you, your free meal. I give them a free meal a week, uh, just for the lifestyle clients. I mean, because you, you have to have some type of sanity. I mean, not not everybody wants to be a full time competitive bodybuilder because yeah. they they want to look good, but they don't want to to eat like a bodybuilder. They want to be like a bodybuilder, but they don't want to eat like a bodybuilder. So." And I completely understand that, man, because there has to be some type of balance. And I mean, even for top level pros, you have to find that balance between bodybuilding and your lifestyle, your lifestyle. Exactly. And uh, not a lot of people make it in this sport because they don't find that balance. And there are some people that just want a pro card and then they get it and then they do nothing with it. Some people continuously chase that title and they lose people along the way because they just so adamant about getting a pro card getting a pro card so they'll compete 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 and then some people are just like oh and they because whenever you're dieting and in prep you're not the nicest person you can no, ask my, you can ask my wife and not I'll, uh, I'll, I'll i'll agree with that because at the time that i was on the tail end of my bodybuilding career i had already started pro wrestling and i literally so when i did my last competition in bodybuilding i stopped going to the wrestling shows 
because with pro wrestling, I don't know if you're familiar, but like, there's a lot of egos. Oh yeah, yeah, I can. You know, because it's all it's you know it's all about. There's a lot of egos in the locker room, so I mentally couldn't handle. Like I, I was I was snapping at people. Absolutely. I was getting really emotional. I was getting Absolutely. angry because I was prepping for a show at the same time. Absolutely. So I was like. Let me not wrestle for a while while I'm doing this bodybuilding oh, thing because yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm on the edge and I'm snapping at people and it's not me, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm literally, I'm in, a, I'm in a deficit, like you're saying, and, you know, lower sodium days and lower carb days and it's just yeah. ta- it's taxing. Absolutely. And, um, and, I mean, I can completely agree with you on that because, like, there's sometimes I come into the gym and I have my headphones on and people, like, try to get my attention and, it's, and like, I try to be as nice as possible about it, you know? I'll talk to her and everything, but then I'll put my headphones on, mumble something under my breath, and it's not directed at them. It's just I'm in here for a reason, mm-hmm. and I'm just so tired. I just I want to get my workout done, go home, and eat my little bit of food that I have. So it's like when people are in here coming to talk to me, man, you look so good. I really do appreciate those compliments and everything. Um, but if we can talk before or after I'm training, and it's not anything against that one specific person or just anybody in general. It's just uh, when I'm prepping for a show at uh, a pro caliber level, every every second of that workout counts because I mean yeah, it's I'm a different doing intensity, it, man. I was about to say it's a different mindset. Yep. And now now that money's on the line with this, uh, like I said, I want to take this as far as possible. And now that money's on the line with it, it's very very important that when in prep that you hit every single lift that you need to to be able to hit and progress week from week. Uh, I know a lot of people keep logbooks on them when they train. I think you do. I do, yeah. Yeah, and um, there's nothing wrong with that at all. And I actually hope that one day I can be able to do that because I still don't fully understand a logbook. I understand you keep record of your previous lifts and everything like that. And um, it's very, very important to know that way you're progressing every week. And um, you can see. So do you go off of basically just the way it feels? And pretty you just, much, you just push it to whatever, pretty much wherever that's, it fails, it fails, kind of thing. That's pretty much what I do. So um, when I come in, I know what workouts I'm doing for what specific body part that I'm training, and um, what I do is I pretty much warm up, warm up, warm up, and then do what I call feeder sets, mm-hmm. which is just feeling some weight out, not going straight to a working set because you also want to give that muscle that you're training time to to be able to understand the weight that you're lifting, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, like wake it up, get exactly, it feeling right. Exactly. And um, instead of loading, instead of warming up at 135 and then going to 315 on bench press from 135 to 315, your body is going to be like, whoa, whoa, what? Well, what's going on? You might, might rip a peck or something. So what I do with feeder sets is like I'll go – uh, 135, 165, 225, uh, and then just do like three or four reps just to feel the weight out, get your body used to the feeling of the weight. And then you get into your heavier sets and then your two working sets. What I'll do is um, I'll not necessarily – I know for a base I can, I can bench 315 10 times, put it that way. And maybe next week I get it for eight, and it's not that necessarily I lost strength. Maybe I lost an hour of sleep or something, or I ate 20 minutes earlier that day or something like that. And it's not necessarily that you carbs or exactly. glycogen's a little exactly. less. It could be or, a lot of things. Exactly, especially in prep yeah. because your you diet's always changing week to week. Mm-hmm. And so um, that could also, I don't want to say um, discourage you, but at the same time, 
you you have to understand your body's not going to be you ha- you have to live every second of every day the exact same to be able to hit the exact same reps for the weight that you do last week and to this week and and you can't peak every day I- exactly yeah. exactly so that that's why I never really found training with a logbook fun and I know bodybuilding is not supposed to be fun you're supposed to be able I mean it definitely is you can make it fun that's why I don't train with a logbook. Because I like just coming into the gym and just lifting the weights, not studying a book first in between each set and then going do it. But mm-hmm. eventually, I do want to um, be able to get to that point where I do have a logbook because there are a lot of pros. I mean, Hunter Labrada that I mentioned earlier, he he trains with a logbook, and um, I always found it interesting. But then you go look at Nick Walker, placed third at a second Olympia ever says, I don't train with a logbook. I just go into the gym and lift for fun. And it really all depends on how how you prefer training. But um And that's the beauty of the sport too is the individuality of it. Right? Exactly. So like the way you train, if you use a logbook or not, the food you eat, you know, the, exactly. the, the split you're on, the supplements you use. Exactly. There's variability there, you know? Yeah. Um I do it mostly for accountability. So I like to see and not necessarily to bump the weight every week. Yeah. But okay, so if I got 10 with 200 pounds, exactly. can I push and 11 today? That's exactly why I agree with the yeah. logbook. Not necessarily to always push to be better, but it's to have a base knowledge, base knowledge. Of, of where you were previous. And, and if I do fall short, like you said, it me I'm, I'm very body aware, so it makes me wonder, like, okay, if I fell short today, what's going on? Did I maybe not get sleep last night? Did yeah. my diet off? Am I eating enough calories? I told you a while back, yeah. I, I simply wasn't eating enough calories. Exactly. I couldn't figure out why I wasn't getting weight. I walked to the gym, and I'm like, dude, you look shredded. Yeah. I'm like, well, I'm not eating enough calories, and I audited it myself, right? Yeah. Because my logbook told me to. Yeah. And so it's – it's uh, and Scott, too. Scott doesn't do a logbook. Yeah. He just bases it off the feel and pushes it, you And know? I feel like a lot a lot of um of the Tommy. older generation mm-hmm. bodybuilders, they, they never really use a logbook. And I think that's something that – um, us new generation bodybuilders, we're trying to take it to scientific mm-hmm. approach to it. I mean, at, I love at, that. And I, I love it too. I mean, I'm always about looking for new ways to, to better, but at the same time, I mean, we got to look at, I mean, uh, Arnold was the best bodybuilder of all time. In my opinion, mm-hmm. he never probably trained with a log book. Mm-hmm. He never had, uh, arsenal equipment or um cybex equipment to train with i mean he did but they weren't as improved as we have now oh yeah i mean they were training with with chains driven machines and stuff like that that probably would stick up top and you have to oil them and everything and bike, I mean, bike chains yep. yeah uh-huh. and uh we we got it made now and uh i love what you said though about that because it's people really do they out science themselves of the love of the sport Exactly, and they're uh, not they're not enjoying it because they're so worried about the nitty gritty details. Yes, yeah. exactly, and that, and that's why I highly recommend getting a coach. That way, you can enjoy the weightlifting side of it. Let let your coach do the scientific approach to it, and just send you a plan. You just follow the plan. That's why, like, and that's another reason why I started competing too. Because I, I looked at this diet plan, and I'm like, okay, I just follow this to the T, and then I just noticed the changes. And whenever you have that second eye, because I would always uh, up until me and Cash started working together. I was my own coach. Mm-hmm. And up up until I had that second eye, I mean, my wife, but she's biased because, I mean, I look in the mirror. Your I'm husband. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I look bad. And she's like, no, you look good. And then she's like, I mean, right now I'm 255 pounds and I'm like, oh, I'm fat. But she's like, you still have abs. And I'm like, you don't understand. It's bodybuilder fat. <laughs> yeah. And uh, 
But up until I had cash to look at me, when I'd send my check-in pictures to him, it, it's always very refreshing and comfortable to have somebody look at these pictures and be like, okay, we look good this week. We're going to keep the diet the same. Just keep doing it. you on track. Versus me looking in the mirror, always second-guessing myself. Mm, I still got some fat to lose here. In reality, I have eight weeks till the show, and I can easily do it. I mean, 30 days, you can transform your body a lot, especially especially when you're so low a body fat. I mean, four weeks in a prep makes a huge difference. And um, But in my mind, I'm thinking, man, four weeks is going to go by like that. What can I – I can't do this in four weeks. But when you have that second eye to confirm and help you, reassure you that you will – and that he's going to take care of the plan itself and you just follow it, it's very, very um, – takes takes the stress out of the equation whenever you're doing it. And that's why I believe a lot of people should have a coach if you really want to compete. Don't try to coach yourself because you are your worst critic, like you said. I agree with you. And, and it's very, very stressful to look at yourself and say, okay, I'm ready because – like you said earlier, you we, we always we always are picking the worst parts about ourselves. So we always gonna do that. Even even on show day for nationals, I'm like, oh man, I can I can be tighter here, this and that. Mm-hmm. If I only had one more week, and um, but we're we're always looking to better ourselves, and that that's the, that's what's great about the sport. It teaches you discipline. It teaches you how to be strong when you're physically weak, mm-hmm. mentally strong when you're physically weak. I tell and, people that man, I'm like. We may look as strong as possible on stage, but we're actually our weakest. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And you talk about early regrets. That's a part that I regret um, is not hiring a coach when I started. Because, I mean, I went from 17 to almost 21 competing as a yeah. teen, and I never had a coach. It was all self. Exactly. You know? And at that time, they didn't have classic and physique and stuff. Yeah, it was just yeah. bodybuilding. But still, yeah. um, I wish I would have did that. I wish yeah. it was more mainstream where – Exactly. Coaches were on Instagram and you yeah. just message and you, them. It's easy to have a touch of a button. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I wish I would have had that. And if I if I ever do compete again, I will hire a coach. So, oh, 100%. Yeah. It definitely. And I mean, you're a nutritionist yourself. Mm-hmm. You come up with meal plans for people probably daily. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you have clients that you train over here all the time. And I mean, you, you create these meal plans, you send that off and it works and you don't think nothing of it. You just have an equation that you do to figure out their macros probably. And then you send them your, your meal plan and you come up with, and um, you, you're watching them progress. But whenever you're doing it for yourself, you're like, Oh, I'm not progressing. It's a different animal. It's a completely different animal. It's like, um, and sometimes I can be progressing, but I'm not seeing it. Exactly. I don't have that second eye that you talked about. I, I sent uh, some pictures that I took in the bathroom over here. Uh, just doing some posing after probably last week or, beginning of this week and i sent it to my buddy and i told him uh i had posted that video and i said i'm ready to be shredded again i'm ready to do this on a pro stage and uh my buddy was like man you're like twice the size of that in like two months and i'm like i don't feel like it. and he goes he goes that's why we're as great as we are that's why we're pros because we're always thinking that there's room for improvement if you don't think if you think that you're okay looking i mean that's awesome uh, that you body, made it? Yeah, yeah, be body positive. I mean, because I wish I was. I wish I could look in the mirror and say, I look great. But at the same time, you have to understand, if you're doing this as a goal um, to, to be the best, you have to have the mindset that you never are the best. And, um, and the biggest room in the world, man, is the room for improvement. Absolutely. And I, I said that a while back. I was like, new, new people come to the gym and they're so intimidated by, like, someone muscular like yourself or someone that's training hard with earphones in. Mm-hmm. They don't realize 
how much you're criticizing yourself that you are not even an ounce worried about them. Because everybody comes in and they think, like they're intimidated by you. They think yeah. you're looking at them being like, look at this idiot. Yeah. Bench pressing wrong or whatever. That's what I'm saying. You aren't worried about anybody else. No. You're too busy criticizing yourself. It, exactly. Exactly. But they look at you and they don't, they don't understand how involved you are in your own journey. Exactly. They think you, and, you're worried about them, but you're not. And a lot of people, too, uh, like some of the high schoolers that I see in here, uh-huh. If and I, I, I talked to them one time, and um, it was just about like training itself, like just not, not trying to correct them or anything, because I don't like being that guy. I was never the... I was never one to like being told how to train, so I don't want to be the one to tell somebody how to train. But if you have a question about training, come up to me in the gym. Don't be afraid to ask, and I will give you my opinion on it. Mm-hmm. And I can I can help you with your form. I can help you do this better, maybe this better, or you might be doing it right and just have a question. Just I can look at you and tell you, hey, you're doing this right. But I don't want people to ever think that I'm – the big bully of the gym just because I'm, I'm the size that I am. Cause a lot of people, I would, I would always be intimidated by the type of people. I mean, when I used to go train at Valhalla, when I was younger, I would look at, um, Clint Chasson, Blake Cornett, Chase Savwa, all those guys training. And I'm like, that's, that's some, that's some animals right there. I'm, I don't want to be nowhere. I want to be there, but I don't want to be there with them. I don't want to be they, in their cage. Yet. Exactly. <laughs> and, um, come to find out, man, those are the nicest guys. It's true. Because they, they don't have nothing to prove. They they already proved themselves or they don't care enough about trying to lift a thousand pounds in the gym, ego lift, and they're they're there to, to lift smarter and to be better. And they're and still they're still proving themselves to themselves. Exactly. Yeah, you know? Exactly. And we want to see everybody's success just like we want to see our own success. So when I come in here and I see all of these high school kids. Yeah, it's overwhelming because when I come in here after hard days of work, I don't want to have to wait 15 minutes for a machine. But at the same time, these guys are were or these guys are in the same shoes I was in in high school. I was the guy who was figuring it out, figuring it out. And it takes me back because like I look at it and I'm like, man, I was there. But if I had the knowledge that I have now when I was there, I can I can be this much better than I am now. And that's why uh, if they come up and talk to me, I will give I will talk to them for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, even an hour just to fill them in with so much information that I wish I had at that age. I wish I had somebody as knowledgeable as you and I are to be able to inform us and help us that way instead of working, working, working here, we can start here and then work here. Exactly. And that that's why I, I don't have any um, arrogance in the, in the gym floor because I don't want people to, to think I'm that that guy, that yeah. stereotypical stereotype of a gym guy. Like, yeah. I don't want to be the gym bro. I want people to actually come up that have questions and feel comfortable with coming to ask me just because, like I said, I just want to see everybody improve. And that's, and that's what I love about the community we have here, you know, is we have a wealth of knowledge around this gym. And I'm not just talking about myself and you. There's other people that are just – absolutely. Even even Blake with the physical therapy, I was about like to say, very have... very courteous with their knowledge and very open to sharing whatever it is with anybody who's new. That's, and that, what, I'm that's what I love exactly. about it. Like, is you have your advanced people like yourself, but you also have beginners, and everybody's meshing together real well. Exactly, you know, and I, and I, I love that. I love walking yep. in and seeing that every every and, day. And the way you have the gym floor laid out, it's honestly very very. Um, it ho- it holds the the people good because you can. A lot of people are intimidated because they. I mean, my wife included, she's like, oh, so many people there. I'm like, yeah, it may look like that in a parking lot. But if you come in, there's so much room. 
Like um, the parking lot may look packed, but you walk in and you're like, man, where did everybody just drive themselves here today? Or um, yeah. is there people parked walking across the street to Fletcher or something? Yeah. <laughs> because like the gym holds it the, does. the people. Great. Parking lot's deceiving. Yes, it very much is. And that's, that is one thing that scares a lot of people is a packed gym. Because, I mean, like I said, a lot of people are intimidated by big, bigger guys like us or something like that. But in reality, we're probably some of the nicest people you would ever meet. Because I, I, will, I will literally stop training myself to go help somebody who needs the help. And we're so, we're so interested in it. Exactly. That we, we literally will talk an hour. That's what I'm ru- saying. And ruin our own workout. I was over about it. to say, you, you <laughs> might ask me, uh, what do you think the best rep scheme is or best rep? Uh, and I can be like, oh, yeah, 10 to 12, and then go back to my workout. But I'll explain to you why yeah. 10 to 12 is so good and then why I think 10 to 12 is so good uh-huh. and then who taught me that. So it's like we go, we go so much more in depth to than just giving an answer. And like I said, that's why I wish I had that when I was younger instead of having to learn how I did. Absolutely. And um, it's not that we're trying to to show you how knowledgeable we are, be like, oh, this and that. It's to actually give you the understanding as to why you're doing what I'm telling you to do or why um, my opinion is this. Yeah. So. Well, it's passing it on, man. And that's what I love about it is, you know, the older generation passed on to us. Exactly. And we are now passing on to the younger generation and. And Hopefully why, one day they're going to pass. You know? that, and that's why bodybuilding every every so many years gets better and better and better. Hundred Because people find better ways to improve. They pass that knowledge down. And, I mean, you got people who train very slow and controlled. You got people like Branch Warren who think just throwing the weight up is the best way to train. But that's what I love about the sport. Like you said, it, it's so – individual versus how football yes it's the team sport but everybody trains the same Mm -hmm. everybody any sport in general besides bodybuilding there's a a scientific way that is proven that this is the best way to train but in bodybuilding there's no scientific way that says this is the best way to train everybody builds muscle training different I mean, lifting heavy for me might work better for me. Lifting more reps for you might work best for you. Doing um, yoga might work best for this guy. Let me get your opinion on something then. Because right now there's a big, both in the science and in the coaching world, there's a big, big uh, butting of the heads when it comes to what's best for building muscle. You got this group that says, oh, it's volume. And then you got this other group that's like, oh, no, it's intensity. Like you need that progressive overload with the, the intensity. Do you fall in the middle? Like, what, where do you, where do you think it is? I would probably say I fall in the middle because I, I do train with high volume, but in my top sets, I'm I'm taking it's muscular I'm, failure. I'm, I'm going till absolute failure while staying it, while staying in a in a healthy um, not I guess you can say um, damaging weight. To like the muscle while while being able to still hit a adequate amount of reps, but also at the same time you you need volume to be able to get a pump. But once you get the pump, that's when your body starts building the muscle because you have the pump already. And then when you prog- do progressive overload or take sets till failure or do cluster sets, drop sets, stuff like that, yes, you're taking that muscle to absolute failure and breaking it down even more than what you could do with just volume. Because in, in the definition of intensity is um, taking something till absolute failure. 
And I mean, yes, people might say, oh, he just did 30 reps with 225 on, on squats. That's intense. But scientifically, if he does 30 reps with 225, one rep, let's just say 600, that one rep is more intense of a set than that 30 rep of 225 scientifically. So a lot of people have their definition of intensity. And, That's um, true. But really intensity is till absolute failure at the lowest volume possible. So, yes, you have volume and then you have intensity. But in, rea- in reality, intensity is a lower volume because if you look it up, the intensity of a workout is taking something to absolute failure with the heaviest. And um, like a, a one rep max is more intense than a, a 20 rep um, set. So, and um, I actually heard that on, on Fuad Abiyad's uh, Bro Chat podcast. I, I watch that yeah. religiously because, I mean, like I said, I always like to to watch these different types of podcasts. They have uh, the Cutler cast with Jay Cutler. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. have um, Flex Lewis. Um, I think it's um, – I forgot the name of his. Um, but then you have Bro Chat with Fuad Abiyad, and then they have um, – just every, all of these podcasts I watch because I, I want to be as knowledgeable as I can be. Mm-hmm in different areas of, of the industry, not only like, cause I mean, he does podcasts on what, what it's like eating in a day of a bodybuilder or, um, how, how he started, uh, hostile supplements or stuff like that. And he was very good friends with, um, or actually, um, uh, John, um, John Meadows, John Meadows, uh, granite supplements. Mm-hmm. That was Fuad's coach for a long time is John Meadows. And, he, I love watching his videos. I can sit there and listen to him all day. Oh, yeah. He was way ahead of his time, man. Absolutely. And you know the, the intensity thing, too. So I agree with you, though, because what you call feeder sets, like that's your way of getting extra volume in your workout, exactly. right? Exactly. And for me, I always do a warm-up set, which is like lightweight, let's get the blood in the muscle. Yep. And then I do a work-up set. That's what I call it. It's random. So warm-up set, work-up set. So that's kind of a moderate weight. Yeah. Still kind of feeling yep. the muscle. And then I do my working set which is the heavier weight, and I'll, I'll take that close to muscular failure. Absolutely. But with the science, man, the intensity, the problem with with actually doing research on this is people don't – they're not good at predicting what failure is for themselves. Nope, and that's why I truly agree. And you know that from, from a training perspective. Yep. Like I can think I'm going to failure, but I probably have like two or three more in the tank. Exactly, exactly. So um, one big thing for me was um, this whole prep from state and – all the way to nationals, I was training by myself. If I would have had a training partner for those preps, I probably could have been a lot better. I'm not saying that I wasn't good. I was good enough to get a pro card, but I probably could have been a lot better. And that's why um, Evan, me and Evan Landry, we train together. And um, he doesn't like it when I call him my training coach. But, I mean, he technically is. I mean, he pushes me beyond what I think I'm capable of because uh, I know you probably hear us train legs together or watch us train legs together. We are busting each other's butt in the gym. And um, just when I think I'm about to quit, he's always screaming five more. You got more. Come on. That's the best training sessions though. It is. It is because when you push yourself beyond your own limitations, it makes you feel so good because you walk out that gym knowing you gave it more than you thought you could. And um, having a training partner, that can push you is definitely um, a big motivation and big help uh, along with this journey because y- your your brain will tell you 
to stop before your body can actually want to i guess that if that makes sense your uh, body can go further yeah your but your body can go further than the brain will allow it. yeah yeah and um especially especially legs a lot of a lot of people a lot of people um train legs and yeah they they're doing they're doing hard but in reality you got five more reps and you're on the leg press you got 20 more pounds uh on a squat you can go 10 more reps on leg extensions even even if it's half half reps quarter reps you have that much more to go and not a lot of people realize that they just oh my legs burn i need to get off of this but in reality when you start burning that's when the muscles working that's the money reps yeah absolutely and that's why i always try to fight to stay in the in the set while while hitting it is a lot of people want to get out the machine right after their set's done but they don't realize that the longer you stay in that machine, the more blood you can pump into that muscle. That's why Hane Rambod um, has FST7 yeah. training style. The fascia and, stretching. Yep. And that's what it is. It's called blood starving sets. And you hit your set, but you stay in the machine in the stretched out position. Like, for example, uh, leg extensions. When you hit the set and you stop and your legs are burning, you're trying to rush to get out that machine because you just want to let the blood, like, open, like stretch your legs out, let the blood go down. Go elsewhere. Yeah. Exactly, because it hurts. It, it hurts bad. But whenever he does it, he makes you stay in the machine, and you are burning. I mean, it is miserable. You, you're shaking. You're trying to find something that's comfortable position. You're slapping your legs, doing anything to get your mind off of that burning sensation. But in reality, that that's where you're building it because – the, the longer you can keep a pump or and the more intense a pump is and the longer you can keep it, that's that's how, how, how you build muscle. It's not about just coming in here and training. You, your goal is to get a pump because once you get a pump, your blood is stretching that, that muscle out to the point where it's ripping the fibers. And that's – we go back to nutrition. That's why having proper nutrition directly after training – To repair the fibers. To repair the fibers. And that's why your, your body like, – um, like Tommy said that – your body knows, okay, I'm coming in here. I'm going to rip this muscle down, build it back up twice as strong so that next time I come in here and you load this weight on here, I'm ready for it. Mm-hmm. But that's why I don't keep a logbook because – or it's, that's why it's good to keep a logbook. At the same time, I don't keep a logbook is that you know, okay, my body knows I'm ready for 225 on bench. Let's go 230. It, it won't know that. So let's do one more rep than I did last week. With 225 or let's go five pounds heavier, your body's not ready for it. So you're constantly changing your body. Your body never knows what's coming at it. Mm -hmm. In reality, you might be doing the same workouts and exercises every week, but you're always either going heavier in weight or doing more reps and your body just never knows. So that's why it is important that you have that right nutrition that you can repair itself and then come back next week, or if you train in twice, two body parts, uh, the same body part twice a week, you can be prepared um, and healed. Because I mean, if you go eat fast food or something, your body's not going to heal as good as somebody who's going home and drink a protein shake. It's nourishing. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's cool? What's cool is like we used to think um, like eight to twelve was that money range for for muscle growth, mm-hmm. but now we know that it's really like five to twenty or yeah. five to thirty. Yeah. So like you have a really wide range of what can actually promote muscle. And like you said, it has a lot to do with what you're stimulating during the set. Exactly. And it's about also how you perform those reps. Mm -hmm. I mean, somebody can come in here 
and let's just say lap pull downs for back and just start pulling down on the machine, not not uh, engaging their their lats or anything like that, just moving the weight. There's yep. a difference from somebody who can do the whole stack like that versus the whole stack the correct form or half the stack the correct form. And I feel like even if you drop the weight down to something that you know you can get 10 for but have perfect form, you're benefiting yourself way more than just moving the weight. Absolutely. Because so, some people um, will come in and I'll, I'll watch them I'll watch them train and I'll just see them moving the weight. Just moving weight around. Moving weight around. And by all means, that's awesome. I'm glad you're in the gym. Glad you're not at home watching TV on the couch eating potato chips. You're in the gym looking to Betty, so that's awesome. But if you slow down those reps, can you can you still get that weight that you're training with? Or do you have to drop the weight to get better reps? Quality over quantity. Yeah. And that and like Arnold and those guys were talking about that thirty years ago, yep. forty years ago. Yep. And people were like, Oh, that's just old folklore yep. stuff. Oh, it's like, well, no, like yeah. the mind muscle connection, like exactly. You want to be able to feel that. Exactly. You want to feel the contraction. Like when people are in the mirror flexing in the mirror for a picture, you're flexing that bicep for that picture in the mirror. Yeah. Why not? Flex it with Try the dumbbell. Flex, yeah, flex <laughs> it when you're training. Exactly. And it's it's all about a lot of people. There you can you can dive so deep into training styles. I mean, eccentric yeah. and stuff like that. Progressive overload. I mean, we can sit there probably all day and talk about it. But um, just on a on a basic level, there's you got to understand what works best for you and perfect work what works best for you. Because yeah, you you might be able to think, oh, okay. Um, Push pull legs works best for me. Okay, now we got to figure out what workouts am I doing on push day? What workouts am I doing on pull day? Because that, that's so big. I mean, you're training chest, shoulders, and triceps one day, back biceps, and maybe even doing some deadlifts on on back day for the hamstring stuff like that. I mean, there there's so many workouts you can do for <laughs> chest, tries, and shoulders, but you got to figure out. Okay, this is what I need to be doing on my push days. This is what I need to be doing on the pull days leg days this is what i'm doing and from there you got to know okay now what rep range works best so you can just keep digging and digging and digging and digging and um that that's what i'm always trying to do is learn 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 yeah that way i can perfect what style of training works best for me yeah and um but but, i think i think it's important that we drive home here too and you kind of hinted at it with the the guy on the sofa being at the gym instead of the sofa right like just get consistent exercising and coming exactly. to the gym first. Exactly. You have you have so much time to dig deep and talk about more advanced exactly. things I mean, like you we've are. Been, I've been doing this for eight years myself. You've exactly. been doing this for probably 10, 15 years. I mean, I've been just – just as a trainer, I've been doing this for 12 years. Exactly. You know, so um, just get consistent first. And that's why, like, when someone wants to come in and start with training, we ask them, all right, how many days are you willing to commit to? Yep. Is it two? Is it three? Is it four? Is it five? Whatever it that number it is. One. Just start. If you can only get one day in a week, yeah, that that's way better than nothing. Exactly. And and just, whatever they're willing to commit to, we'll make a split for it. And let's start there. Oh yeah. You can add a day later. Yeah. You can add a workout. Whatever. Yep. But just start, man. Just start. Exactly. It's not. Uh, if it's not today, it's when. Exactly. Because I mean, like, yeah, it's it's so easy to just leave work and go home. It's, it's so easy. And now, I mean, there's some single parents out there that probably have to because they don't have anybody to watch their kid or something like that. But if you can even find time, I mean, to just go for a walk, I mean, take take your 
your child for a walk down the neighborhood, put it in a stroller, go push the stroller down the neighborhood, just get active. Mm -hmm. And that's what this generation, um, it, it makes it so, so easily accessible to just go pull in a drive through, get fast food, um, go eat out. It's just so, so accessible. And that's why this generation is so unhealthy. I mean, that recent study that the government just came out with that says Lucky Charms is healthier than a steak. I don't know if you've seen that, but I mean, what, 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 what are that come? What, are they, what is this world coming to? <laughs> I'm not even going to comment on that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I may curse. And I don't want to curse on the yeah. podcast. <laughs> but I look at it like just, just get active. That as as long as you're just moving around, just getting steps in. And like we said, there's always room for improvement. Absolutely. So just start and then improve as much as you want from yep. there. You know. Yeah. So let's talk about training a little bit. So you were flexing in a day one gym, getting ready for state. I was watching you pose, and uh, you were kind of you were kind of high on your chest, being your best body part. And I was like, Nah, dude. Your, your back is your kill shot. Yeah. Like I swore by it. And I could I was willing to be wrong, but just yeah. looking at you, I was like, that back is going to be his kill shot. Yeah. Not knowing what the competition would bring, yeah, obviously. Exactly. Um, so let's talk about your back training. Is that one of your favorite muscles to train or no? Honestly, no. No. That's the, my What is your favorite muscle? Legs. Okay. Yep. My legs aren't the best, but it's my favorite body part to train. And that's why I believe whatever your body part's your weakest, make it your favorite to train. And I feel like my legs have to come up a lot. That's what me and Cash are focusing on a lot this off season. But um, I've never liked training back, honestly, never. And I know I know a lot of the the younger guys are gonna be listening and they're gonna be like, "Well, what is, what is Jacob doing?" Yeah. So like, what does a typical back day look like for you? Um, so typically, come in, warm up, um, stretch out a little bit, just to get 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 the feeling moving, get get everything moving and flowing good. I like to go into um, beings that my back has enough. I don't want to say enough density, but uh, it's dense enough. One of your that, denser body parts. Yes, that we have to work on with the lat width. So I'll start out with like any muscle group that I train, whatever for shoulders, for example. I need to work on rear delts the most. So I'll start out with the workout with whatever I need to improve on the most. Start with the weak link. Yep, gotcha. Um, so I'll normally start out with possibly a. a a low row, like the new machine that you got, I'll mm -hmm. start out with either either that or a lat pull down. But what I like about those two training style uh, training equipment pieces that you can do them individual. So when I'm training my weakest body part, I'm looking to be to feel the most contraction possible while training. So yes, I can do them both at a time, but that's telling your brain that you have to send the each contraction out at the same time. So it's, it's very, very difficult to get the mind and muscle connection because I don't have a great mind and muscle connection with my back. As, as crazy as that sounds, my back's my best body part. <laughs> that is, I don't have good mind and muscle connection with it. So if you can do it singular, you can focus just on one side. So what I'll do is, is I'll start out with something like that. Then I'll go into uh, some type of dumbbell row or some type of seated row. Or cable row, um, we'll we'll go do that. Um, then we'll hop into um, like a like a lat pullover or something like that. And um, from there, we'll either finish off with barbell rows for the thickness, because like I said, my back has I would I would think enough density. It can use more, but for now we got to get the width up yeah. to the density. So um, 
we would finish off with with rose or something like that. And um, just recently, now that I'm I'm uh, out of prep, I can start deadlifting, doing all these compound movements again. So uh, every other week, I'll probably deadlift or do some sort of stuff like that, just just because it's fun. And right now, I'm still in that little celebration mode, uh, just enjoying training yeah. and stuff like that. And um, so I'll be doing some fun stuff like that: shoulder press, bench press, barbell. Um, so that that's pretty much like a typical back day for me. You know what I love about that answer? It's not complex at all. It's simple. Exactly. And I think a lot of people need to hear that. They need yes. to hear that. Exactly. Yeah. There, there's no. I'm starting with my weak link, and I'm finishing up the muscle tissue. Yep. Afterwards. Yep. And and honestly, I mean, you don't necessarily even have to do that. That's just coming from my approach. Yeah. That's why I said it's just always works which works best for There's you. There's no magic workout. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. As much as people want to believe there is. Exactly. Just like a diet. There's no perfect yep. diet. Nope. So individual. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you can you can watch uh, a full day of eating from Chris Bumstead and go try to do it, but you'll be like, Man, why did I gain forty pounds? Yeah. But in reality, Chris Bumstead's 260 pounds versus somebody, let's just say, a 180-pound guy who's shredded trying to do Chris Bumstead's diet. I mean, yeah, yeah it's fun to watch, but you got to understand that while doing that, that there's individuality. There's individuality. Absolutely. Yep. So let's talk about supplements. Yep. Uh, you have any supplements that you swear by that you always keep in your arsenal? I mean, Forge Nutrition is my go-to, um, as well as um, Granite Supps because – um, I, I like consistency, the consistency in a protein. Whenever I make it, I don't want to feel like I'm drinking just a watery run, watered down protein vanilla shake. And, uh, so what I do is, is I like the granite protein just because it's a casein as well as, um, different mixture of hydrolyzed and ISO. So whenever you mix it, it has different types of proteins in it, fast digestion and slow digestion. And I'll drink a shake in the morning and a shake at night before I go to bed. So two shakes a day. So I'm very, very picky with my protein. And the one you sell here, um, granite that John Meadows makes, mm-hmm. bless his heart. I mean, so and everything shout out, like that. Shout yep. out to John Meadows yep. and granite supplements. Um, they make an amazing product. They I do. love it. And it's um, hard to find that quality and taste. And exactly, yeah. exactly. Because you either got to pick a thick cement, consistency or watery good tasting or something like that so they actually hit the nail on the head whenever they made this and uh i'll put a little bit of peanut butter or pb2 powder depending on if i'm dieting just for the calories and stuff like that and um oats maybe and um just just to to have fun with it and um so that's your protein yep you use pre-workout and stuff like that yep so i use uh use nutrition the um overcharge you can you can find that at powerhouse and homa you can order it off their website i have the link in the bio on my you have a discount code too correct roby show 10 is the discount code save you some money um love their pre-workout it's not i'm i'm not a huge huge stem junkie so i like a good balance that way when you leave the gym when you go home you can still fall asleep in 30 within 30 minutes of getting home if you need to um because a lot a lot of pre-workouts that i've taken have messed up my stomach to where i don't really want to eat right after i train so i'll like go within within an hour of not eating after i train but i find this this pre-workout is probably one of the better pre-workouts that i've taken uh if not the best just because my stomach is so sensitive like i was saying with the protein Mm -hmm. um you have to find which works best for you. I mean, ghost might work best for somebody. 
forward nutrition might work best for this guy. I mean, so variability the neuro again. stem, yep, yep. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, not a lot of people like the itchy feeling. Not a lot of people like the uh, over-caffeinated uh, pre-workouts. So whenever um, I look into a pre-workout, I look for the best overall. Not necessarily saying um, Beyond Raw is lit. They got like 6.8 grams of beta alanine in it. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, you were talking about that. Tell me the other day. You started drinking some pre-workout and it made your lips tingle. Not everybody likes that tingly feeling. No, I can't get down with the beta alanine. Yep. So I like having a a balance between a good pump-based pre-workout as well as having some focus and um, a little bit of caffeine. Um, It's more or less, honestly, probably just a a mental thing for me, too, is that drink. Because I don't drink energy drinks or nothing like that. I, I try to stay away from it just because I had open heart surgery. When I was younger, and too much caffeine throughout the day would make my heart flutter, mm-hmm. and um, so I try to stay away from all of the uh, stuff like that. So going towards Forge, um, yes, they're local. Yes, they're guys who sponsor me and they're ones who promote the shows, but they produce such a, a quality product. And I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say I take this just because I'm sponsored by them, or I wouldn't get sponsored. I wouldn't get sponsored by myself of a company I don't believe in. I mean, they put out some very, very good products. And if you want to just not take pre-workout, they offer a pump uh, pump enhancement um, supplement. And that one's, that st- one's stimulant-free? Yes. Gotcha. That one is, is very, very intense. You can come in here pretty much depleted on carbs and take that and get a nasty pump. And um, they also have fat burners. They have creatine. And um, they have a whole line of supplements. And um I true I truly do believe in this this company. I mean, so you do the so you do the pre the pre workout by them. Yes, the pump, the pump by them and the fat burner and the fat burner. So you don't do you ever do create you ever use creatine or not really? Not really, just because um I, I did when I started out just because I mean everybody when they start out creatine creatine creatine, and um once I learned that your body's probably getting enough creatine in it from the foods that you if you're eating a proper diet you can get enough creatine your body needs within the foods you eat. You don't have to supplement with it. And I try to take as least amount of... Especially the amount you eat, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I try to take at least amount of um, powders as possible just because, I mean, drinking... I mean, EAAs itself, I'm drinking... I'm mixing my gallon, and I'm drinking two gallons a day. So I mix my EAAs just because of flavor and um, the, the actual health benefits of it. And... So creatine isn't really something I'm too fond about just because, like, if you're eating a, ba- a good enough diet, you can get those proper creatines, amino acids, and stuff like that from those foods. And, I mean, I'm drinking pre-workout, protein powders, EAAs, intra-workouts. So that's that's almost five shakes, five shakes right there that I'm drinking a day. If I got to drink another one like creatine and make it six shakes plus two gallons of water, that's ridiculous. You're not interested in more shakes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got you. Um but yeah, that's um, supplement wise. Um, that that's who I'm really pretty much the only two companies that I've dealt with, and um, it took me a while to learn to learn what works best for me. Because I mean, you try something, you spend forty, fifty, sixty dollars on a pre workout at GNC. I mean, yeah, you can go return it, but it's finding the time to go back and return it. So eventually, you're probably just going to be like, oh, I'm gonna just finish this and then go buy another one. And at last, I mean, some some uh, pre workouts have sixty 
uh, servings in it. So you might go two months before trying another pre-workout or a month before trying another pre-workout. So it takes time to learn what works best for you. And we can go back to individuality in the sport. And that's why literally everything that you do is individual to yourself. Yes, you can give your opinion to others that might they can use this as a base knowledge. Okay, this works best for him. Let's just see if anything around here works best for me. And that, that's why um, I'm open to anything from – I'm still learning, and I'm open to learning anything just because there's so much individuality in the sport. Yeah, and there's so much to learn, yeah. In the sport, there's so many people still that are claiming to be natural – Without being natural, which blows my mind because I feel like it's more accepted now than it's ever been. Absolutely. Um, so something that I respect about you is you're not you're not running around preaching to be natural, not using anything. Absolutely. Um, and you're very open about it. Mm-hmm. So I mean, what what do you make of performance enhancement drugs in the sport? Um, if there's any advice that I can give to people listening, don't think of it as um, cheating for one. Because you still have to work twice as hard. It's not, there's no, I know people think there's a magic pill or magic drug that you can take to get your dream physique. No, you have to work twice as hard when you're on. And um, don't, don't consider taking anything along the lines of PEDs just because you're, your buddy's doing it or anything like that. Because, I mean, this is something that's serious. I mean, this is something that's kills people in the sport. You have to know exactly what you're doing and get blood work done by um, doctors and stuff like that. And I mean, it's very, very, very serious whenever you get into the performance enhancement um, side of things, just because um, whenever you do that, I mean, you're putting a substance that doesn't belong into the body, into the body, of course. And um, you have to take serious precautions to make sure your blood pressure is okay, liver enzymes, red blood cell count, everything that, that make sure that that's all in check. And um, don't take anything like that unless you're trying to do this to make money, trying to do this like you you know for sure that you want to be as far as possible into the sport. Um, this isn't something that you just take because you want to lose weight. It's uh, very, very, very serious. And um, if there's any advice that I can give to the younger generation on it is um, don't do it unless you want to be competitive in the pro league. I know some people who turn pro naturally. I mean, Keon uh, Pearson turned pro naturally. You can do it. You may not have the genetics to do it, but it's possible. Build your physique as far as you can get to natural, I mean, you're a big guy and you're natural, and um, you didn't. I mean, you didn't want to be competitive as as a, as a pro. I I can. I mean, I don't know if you want to uh, talk about your side of uh, thoughts on it. Yeah, yeah. So um, I knew by the time I was about twenty, I knew that the, the elephant in the room is you're not going to be the best at it if you're not using it. Absolutely, you can't Look. compete as a natural with someone who's using it. I mean, it's just exactly. like every other sport, right? Yeah, exactly. And, but if you want to compete with the best, you got to do what the best is doing. It, yeah. But at the same time, you got to understand you, you're, you're playing with the big boys here. You got to do what the big boys are doing. And whenever you look further than the PEDs of it, you got to look, yeah, you might be healthy now, but 
when you're 40 years old and you have a, to be on high blood pressure medicine for the rest of your life just because of what you did as a younger, you have to understand and accept those consequences that come along with using. And um, obviously, whenever you stop bodybuilding, muscle turns to fat way easier than than put your body putting on more fat does. So you got to understand, like, yeah, being 300 pounds, looking at Big Rami, 305 pounds of solid muscle is insane. But, I mean – that dude's pumping so much into him. I mean, I don't know what he's taking, but I'm just assuming that he is. I mean, between the sight enhancement uh, oils and stuff like that, that is just not designed to be inside of the body. The yeah. body's not meant for that. And um, yeah, so like for me at 21, like I, I around the age of 21, 2021, 20, I knew that I wasn't gonna pursue being competitive because at that time I had found pro wrestling. I started powerlifting, so I was like, well, let me just see how far I can go naturally. Like yeah. you said. Um, so yeah, I, I never did it, but at the same time, man, I never, I never looked down on those who did, because like you said, it's not a magic formula. Exactly, you can't, you can't take testosterone, put on Barry Bonds' jersey, and do what he did. No, indeed not. You can't take testosterone and do what you did. Uh, exactly, it's, it's not a, it's not a way to skip ahead. No, indeed you know? not. And yeah. and the reality is, I think it can be done intelligently if you do it intelligently. Exactly. So when you, you have to understand the, the dangers of it. Yeah. And so when you when you told me the other day, like, hey man, I'm I'm doing a laugh panel next month or whatever it was you told me, um, you don't know how much how happy that made me. I was like, Yeah. Jacob's this young dude, he's doing excellent in the sport, but he's taking he's prioritizing his health and he's looking at his labs and exactly. he's doing things right. Exactly. Um and I think that's what a lot of people need to hear, man, that it's not a magic pill and that you got to be smart with stuff. Exactly. Don't just take it because your buddy says he took it and he got big and, or you, your dad took it back in the day or this and that. I mean, you got you got to look at what what's help, what's the best for you. Do do you want to to be pinning yourself twice a week for X amount of weeks on a prep? Do you want to be doing this every I mean, some people are pinning every day but if they're using insulin or growth hormone and stuff like that. I mean, there's so much stuff that you can dig into when it comes to PEDs and the the cons definitely outweigh the pros for sure. Whenever you come into talking about the pros and the cons of using and um whenever you uh whenever you look into it, I mean, do your, not only your own research, because anything you find is going to be bro research, talk to a doctor about it before you even consider. Um, that way he can tell you the, the side of like the actual side effects, because, I mean, there is the side of that. I mean, the heart is a muscle when you're taking testosterone or anything along the lines of PEDs, muscles grow. Your heart's going to grow. And that that's just something you got to consider, too. Um, also, also the natural production of testosterone in your body. Once you put in a foreign uh, oil into your body, is going to stop producing. Your, your body's going to stop producing testosterone naturally. So you got to understand what to do when you come off. How to how to get it back right? Or is there stuff you can take while using to make sure your body doesn't lose that process of producing natural testosterone? And um, but definitely consult with a, a doctor. I mean, I know a doctor is going to say, don't do it, don't do it, you don't need to. So why should your local physician that you go to daily look down upon you because you have a goal that you want to reach and this is this is what you want to do. It's, yeah, it's your own life. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't think doctors should discriminate when it comes to people asking about um, why, what, what are the health risks of running testosterone or PEDs. Don't just tell them no. Explain to them why. Don't just tell them that you're not doing blood work to 
see what your testosterone level is because uh, there's, it's not necessary. I mean, I've had doctors tell me that before. I'd be like, yeah, can I get some blood work done? Uh, because I, I want to see my health markers. Are you concerned about something? Eh, kind of. Well, you don't have any issues. We don't need to do that. They're just assuming. It, exactly. Well, you know, like we talked about individuality with nutrition, training, yep. diet. I mean, the whole nine yards, right? There has to be individuality in healthcare too. Yep. And I, our last our last podcast with Casey, she's a nurse practitioner mm-hmm. in town, just started her own practice. That's basically what we said. We need to individualize healthcare. And that's why I started running labs. It's not because I want to. Yeah. It's because I had so many people come to me and they like, I got to fight my doctor over ordering testosterone labs. That's like, what I'm why? saying. Yep. And then insurance don't cover it. Yep. So I might as well pay you to do it for me and actually That's talk to me about it. Yep. You know? And then some people I have have actual underlying, like, they come to you for a diet, let's just say, and you set them up with a diet and they're just not losing weight, but you don't know why. Could just be an underlying health issue that if they go to the doctor, the doctor can be like, oh, you, you got uh, thyroid problems or you got um, – your body produces too much insulin and turning anything you any carb you eat into um, into fat, for instance. So, I mean, people have underlying health issues that they need to get looked at before they just the doctors just assume, oh, you're fine. Yeah. Uh, you don't need to get that looked at. Wow, you're only 22 years old and you are 23 years old and you want to get your, all of your health markers. You're so young and healthy. You don't know what I'm doing. That's a big assumption. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, Especially nowadays with people getting diabetes at nine. That, that's what you know I'm what I mean? saying, yeah. I mean, people just, the doctors just assume that, oh, if you're not coming in there with uh, actual symptoms of something, that you're fine. No, then that, that's why um, you, coming to you, for example, a lot, a lot of people can come to you if they want to get their blood work ran. Uh, Merrick Health does great with that as well. And... um but from the PED side of it, um, don't don't do it just because you you think it's gonna magically work. Yeah. Because it's not. If anything, you're damaging your body than you are helping it more more than you are helping it. And um, there's a lot of uh, speculations about um, this drug is works better than this drug, but this drug's harsher than this drug. So I mean, there's there's so much that I don't even know about it that um, I'm still learning. And uh, if there's any advice that I can give to the younger generation, like I said earlier, don't do it until you know that this is what you want to do. And don't do it until you are stop, like fully potentially maxed out naturally. It's, it's not. And that, that's one regret that I have is that I started at such a young age is that um, I don't think I've reached my natural potential before I started. I mean, who knows? I probably could have turned pro. It might have took a little longer. Yeah, but. My, my body might have been this much better if I would have waited. And that's just something that uh, you, nev- you never get back the chance to, to assume yeah. or see is that you can, you can only assume yeah. is that you never know how, how much better you can be if you would have waited. Would you have, would I've, I'd even need to taken it? And, um, but it, it's not something to play around with. I yeah. definitely would say that. And um, you have to be very, very careful because, I mean, yeah, you might be okay now. But it's in the future. I mean, I got a, I got a kid on the way. Do I want to be able to – I mean, look at Ronnie Cole when he's in a wheelchair. Granted, he was squatting 800 pounds. But obviously, you'd have to be taking some sort of PED to be squatting 800 pounds for reps, bench pressing, leg pressing 2,300 pounds. To be Ronnie Coleman. To yeah. be Ronnie Coleman, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, look at him now, though, in a wheelchair. 
do I want to be that father that has no ligaments and joints left because they're so tore up from lifting all this heavy weight? Or do I want to be a father who got to go to the doctor once a week, twice a week for, I mean, uh, twice a month for um, TRT injections? Um, it, it, it's something you got to you gotta really think not about the the present, but about the future as well. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, man, I think it's it's a risk, right? Absolutely. And it's a calculated risk. And on the individual level, you have to sit there and say, is the risk worth the reward? You know, yep. um, when I was young in my journey, I decided it wasn't because I was already powerlifting and wrestling. Yep. But here you are. I mean, you're healthy. You're getting your labs looked at. Yep. You know, and you chose to embrace the sport fully, you know, and you're so you're taking the risk. Yep. And I don't think I don't think there's that's anything to look down upon. No. And, and, I, and I respect yep. I, I really, really respect you opening up about it and sharing that with everyone. Listening. And that's why, like, um, I, I don't understand why people got to claim that they're natural whenever it's obvious they're not. I mean, why why, why give somebody false hope? I look at it like um, don't don't let somebody think that they can get like you without PEDs. It's possible. It's very well possible. But open up to them and tell them, hey, look, I'm taking this. It's probably not achievable naturally, but this is something that – this is the goal that I want to achieve. I have to do this to achieve this goal. If you're just coming to the gym and wanting to get big just to look good, which was my goal in the beginning, but then I got competitive with it. Yeah. And to be competitive, you have to do what the competitors do. You have to do it. And um, if you're just looking at to, to make this your hobby – instead of like an actual process of becoming a pro, then don't, don't, don't take PEDs just because the, the, the side effects of it. I mean, some people, uh, I don't want to say dosages, but some people take a small amount of dose and then get um, gyno and then got to go have gyno surgery. I mean, some people, it, it reacts completely different than, I mean, let's just put this on a little bit of a more uh, relative or relatable scale pre-workouts for example 6.8 grams of beta alanine might affect me different than it affects you 100 or um 200 grams of caffeine might be too much for me that might you might have to take three scoops to get the effects of it and i mean it all all depends on your genetics as well too so, i mean some people are hyper responders to it and don't need to take much some people gotta go way up here to get like this guy who's way down here, it's so, so um, independent whenever you do it. Just just like any other thing in bodybuilding, it's all... All individual. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. So, I mean, you're 22 years old, dude. You're a pro after two shows. You're so young, and you achieve so much already in the yeah. sport, right? Which is crazy, and I'm, I'm proud yeah. of you, truly. Um, I appreciate that. What advice would you give to the people coming up behind you? If they if they're looking to get into the sport, I know we covered some of it today. Yeah. But if there was like something you could summarize for them that you would share, watch videos, man. Try to learn as much as possible. Um, Pick ask the brains. As, yep. Ask as many questions to people who are in the sport or people that you look up to. Just ask questions. They'll be more than happy to answer. They will be beyond happy that you even ask them their their, their opinion on something. And um. Yeah, just ask questions, man, and compete. Like I'll go back, as we said earlier, just compete while you can, when you can, just because you never know. You might get injured tomorrow. You might never be able to compete again, or you might 
tear a bicep or something and never be able to lift weights again. So while you can, get it in while you can. And that's about the only advice that I can give to the younger generation. Um, so let me see if I could summarize real well for you. So get started. Don't try to make it perfect. Just get started, right? Um, get the experience, especially if you want to compete in bodybuilding, yep. right? Continue to learn. Never stop learning. Absolutely. There's always a way you can improve. Absolutely. You're still improving. I'm still improving. Yep. Hell, Scott's still improving. I was about to say Arnold's hey. still improving, yep. you know? Um, yeah, man. So I think I think that's fantastic advice. Yep. Is there anything else you want to send us home with? If you don't start today, when are you going to start? <laughs> Amen, brother. Yep. And um, I just hope that everything from lift from here on out for lifted just keeps growing like it has been in the last three years because the improvements that you've made to this gym in itself has truly amazed me. I mean, you're always always finding ways to improve. I mean, the new gym layout is insane. I love it. The equipment that you're getting is insane. I love it. You're actually taking the time and listening to your members and putting your money back into the gym versus how some people just, oh, this is what I want. This is what I want. No, you're actually listening to what the members want. And that's very, very helpful in creating a gym and opening up something is that you're not only getting what you want, because, I mean, I'm sure you you had wanted to open up a gym for so long. And now that you finally have, you obviously got what you wanted or thought was best for it first. And um, you you listening to the members truly um, helps the gym out that much more. And that, that's what I love about Lifted is that we're one big family and you take the time out of your day to listen to what the members input is. Absolutely. Yeah, we are family, man. I know I know I know that this is way beyond me. This has this has expanded and transcended Ryan. Yeah, before it even started, yeah. really, it's beyond me, you know. And yep. uh, it's a community thing. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for the community. Yep. So I'm grateful for it, and I plan to keep moving forward. Yeah. So, all right, brother. Well, thank right, you so man. much for coming today. No, thank you for having me, man. Thank you all for listening to the episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe to our podcast. That way, you don't miss the next episode. As always, we love to hear any and all feedback that you may have, so please feel free to reach out to us and definitely comment below. Stay healthy and live lifted.